1: F-Bomb. This is Mandy and the F-Bomb. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Mandy and the F-Bomb. On this episode, we've got Sabrina Vanderwerf here, and I am so interested in what she's going to have to say because, you know, interesting enough, she was actually one of our first contacts, me and my family, to the world of foster care. We decided to get licensed. We licensed with um, a CPA rather than um, going through CPS. And at the CPA, she was one of the people that helped families get their home studies done. She was doing home studies. And so the first time I met her, I was, Sabrina, I was so nervous. And like the house in my head, like the house had to be perfect and the kids had to be perfect. Thanks. And just all of these things. And I was so nervous. And then you came and you were totally cool. And then I was like, oh, man, me and her, we're going to be friends. We're going to be good. And so that was really, really, really great I know that you've had a whole bunch of different kind of interactions and roles within the foster care world. So a lot, yeah. I know, and I don't even—I'm <laughs> not even familiar with all of them. And I've known you for five years now. So if you don't mind, I just want to hear about your intro into foster care. Like, what even made you go down this road? Oh well, um, I started. I went to
0: UT and I decided to major in social work. And I'm not gonna lie. I did it because I didn't have a lot of math initially. <laughs> I don't do math. I didn't want to do it. I could help some people and I wouldn't have to do a lot of math. I was good. Um, so I did that. And then for my internship, I ended up interning with CPS. And I was like, okay, well, we're, we're driving around a lot. It is a little crazy. We got a lot going on, but it's not like a I'm going to have to sit at my desk job. That sounded really awful to me. I would not want to do that. Same. So Same. the idea of driving around and listening to my music, doing my job, that sounded great. Yeah. So I ended up starting at CPS right out of college at 22. Very young for that job. I look back on it now. It really shapes a lot of how you see people and things and all of that. Um, and I held many different positions there. Like I was a family-based safety services worker. It's a conservatorship worker. Um, I did, um, at the time they called it ICU, but I think they've renamed it where you basically visited kids within the region from other regions. Um, Then I did placement and then I did RTC placement and I did like many roles. So I got like a pretty rounded view of what was happening. Yeah. Um, And then I had a baby at 31. Uh I was like, I don't want to do this right now.
1: Yeah. Because it's a lot. So working with CPS, like, and I, I obviously this is from the outside looking in. I'm only involved, you know, whenever I was a foster parent, mm-hmm. one case at a time. Mm-hmm. And one case at a time, you know, from a foster parent perspective, that's, that's enough. That's enough. I can't imagine carrying all the knowledge of all the cases. How many cases do you normally, like, uh, would a CPS caseworker normally have? Okay. At
0: one point in my CPS career, going through the usual short staff stuff, same stuff that happens, still happens now, will happen forever. Yeah. Um, at one point, I was running 40 cases. So I was a conservatorship worker, and I had 40 kids on my caseload. So that means that at that point, I had to see those 40 kids, I had to be involved with their education, I had to do their parent-child visits if they had them, I had to move them, I was, resp- I was their parent legally. Um, pretty stressed out. <laughs> like a lot. Of course. Um you work a lot. It's definitely not 40 hours. I mean, that's a joke. Uh, it's I think it's better now, but I mean, from my knowledge, it's better now, but back in the day, we just had a lot going on at yeah. certain points in the agency and everyone would end up with caseloads like mine, mm-hmm. though it wasn't
1: just me. And so okay, so when you said at the agency, are you talking about a CPA or like oh, you, you mean like services. child protective services? Right. Okay. I no, it's okay. But DFPS, I, it It sounds a little bit men in black when you say the agency like that, but I know. It, (laughs) it, it,
0: it's, it's not men in black. It's, it's interesting, but it's definitely not that,
1: um,
0: you know, so I'm driving all over the country. I, I mean, my husband's like, where haven't you been in Texas? I was like, I don't really know anymore because I was everywhere all the time and I had kids all over the place and it's a lot and it's emotionally a lot. It's. A lot of work there's always I mean if you have any kind of anxiety good luck it's, yeah it's awful I have anxiety I understand there's yeah. always stuff pending and that makes my anxiety yeah. crazy
1: well and I'm <laughs> sure it's not just not that you just have stuff pending but it's also like this is stuff that matters yeah I mean
0: like I have three plans that need to be done and I have two med reviews that I have to go over with you know an eight with um a foster parent I have these I I'm like and they all need me there for different appointments. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I, you're trying to, like, you have to prioritize, essentially, yeah. at certain points. Like, this is what's just not going to happen. Yeah. Because there's physically not enough
1: time for me
0: to even do it if I wanted to.
1: Well, I'm crossing my fingers that it's not that bad anymore. but I don't I believe mean, it is. I, I need, don't. Uh, well... It's bad
0: for a different reason, but it's not the worker's fault.
1: And maybe let's talk. We're going to talk about
0: that in a little bit. Yeah. Workers are rock stars, and they're out there doing what they can. No Mm -hmm. one's perfect. You won't love everyone. Well, and
1: and what I will say, too, for, and I know that we're going to have some listeners that have had some horror stories with CPS caseworkers. Absolutely. And I would like to say, and I don't know that we'll get into it here, but me too, guys. Me too. We have had some amazing workers, Really, really amazing caseworkers that are absolutely in the right field for the right reasons. And we had one really bad rotten apple. And that was a nightmare. That was a nightmare. So all of you going like CPA caseworkers are just this, that, or the other. You're right. Some are. But the majority that I've experienced are really, really great. Mm-hmm. So and I, you can find those bad apples anywhere in oh, every... Yeah facet of society in every industry. Every workplace, you're going to have someone. that one
0: shady chick that you just know. Don't trust her. She'll put a knife in your back. Even in, <laughs> even in foster care, you have that. Yeah. And it's it's unfortunate because this is a place where you should And not. what I kind
1: of love about this is that you know, Sabrina, you know what I'm talking I about. I do, absolutely. Um, Sabrina was actually um, involved, um, removed, but at least involved Insulted. in the loop whenever this was going on um, with us. And I don't want to... So, I'm gonna just give an overview. Um, so what? what happened with us, because I think that this is interesting and also like a cautionary tale, is we had a CPS caseworker who was really great to us at first, who other families had let me know, like watch your back, watch your back, watch your back. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's awesome. Like she's always been awesome to us. Like it's fine. And then eventually we got a call from our CPA saying hey you need to make these adjustments and do them now and I was going what are you talking about we're not we're not doing anything wrong and they were basically like it doesn't matter do what we say and literally the phrase was make these adjustments or we will come and get the kids and that put my mom bear like on high alert and I was like oh heck no one I'm not doing something that ethically I'm not obligated to do because I didn't do anything wrong, and two, don't threaten me with that. That's not okay. So, come to find out that this CPS caseworker had made basically a bogus report on us, um, that we were doing something we shouldn't have been doing whenever it came to the kids. And he um, this the CPA had her saying that, like there were cameras in the offices, there were recordings, like it was, it was her that was reporting, but at the same time I had no idea. I got that call from the CPA and immediately called this caseworker mm-hmm. and was like, hey, this is happening and I'm really freaked out. Why would they be saying this? Like what is happening? And I was so concerned and just earnestly wanting, wanting her to help because she had been so kind to us had no idea that it was her that was making this report. And she was like, oh, no, it's fine. You just keep doing what you're doing. You're not doing anything wrong. Which I was like, of course I'm not. So I believed her. I want to pause this for a
0: second because this irritates me. <laughs> not about you. I had warned people myself on about that this one. one. Yeah. I warned, I warned the agency. And then say, oh, it's CPA. It's like, yep. I don't buy it for five seconds. I didn't buy it after five minutes of meeting her. Didn't buy it. I'm really good at reading people, and I've met tons of people, lots with personality disorders. She's high up there, so I I got a call of apology, but I'm just gonna say that yeah, it was just I get it. it was
1: so. <laughs> I, the point is, everything ended up okay. Everything ended up okay, and actually, this. Um, CPS caseworker was let go. She was, ended up getting fired for a policy violation, um, which was not super surprising. But for us, that was one of the most nerve-wracking experiences in our foster care journey, where we were just earnestly doing the right thing. Someone made a bogus report, had no idea it was actually our caseworker looking to trap us. And what came to find out, it wasn't even us that she had it out for. We were collateral damage. He didn't like the agency. So all that to say, guys, I know, I know there are some crazy stories out there because believe me, that is just one of the ones I could tell you about, and I've, I think eventually some more will come out on different episodes, but all that to say, you are not alone. I hear you. There's some bad apples, but I say that also to bring to light that, gosh, most of them have been so, so good. So, so good. So... Anyway, Sabrina, tell me a little bit more. So you were involved in all of that stuff. And then whenever I met you, you were at an agency doing home studies because you had just had a a baby and you wanted a a slower pace.
0: I had a baby. I took some time where I did nothing. Uh, I think it took me, my husband will even tell you this. It took me about a year for me not to be in like fight or flight mode and not, not feel like I'm constantly like, you know, I need to do this. I've got this pending. This is happening. Um, so I just took some time and chilled. I hadn't done that. It was great. And then, um, I decided I wanted to do a little something. So they, you know, I was supervising visits for the, that company, that child placing agency. Um, and then they needed to get their contract and they needed an administrator and they needed someone there with experience. I had all of those things Mm -hmm. and they worked with me. I didn't have to get full-time daycare. I didn't have to, I mean, they worked with me. So I was like, okay, they're working with my life. So I don't mind working for you if you're working with my life. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. So I did that for a while. And then I just decided I needed to do something different. And um, just, I don't know, find my own way again. What was I passionate about? How, you know, my father passed away. I had all yeah. kinds of other stuff. And I was like, I just need to figure me out for a minute. And so mm-hmm. I haven't really done a lot. Yeah. And then my new opportunity came around. And yeah, so- tell me
1: about that. Because that's that is going to be super, super cool. So... We know that we've got some capacity stuff going on in Texas. You want to talk about that a little bit? Because I know that probably at least influenced you saying, yeah, I think I'm going to go with this opportunity.
0: It did. Um, Right now in Texas, the foster care system, we have a bed shortage. Now, this is not, I mean, this is not something that should be too surprising and probably is not to people who have worked for Child Protective Services. It's been kind of teetering on the brink of a problem for a very long time. And now it has struck. Of course, because COVID, why not? Everything's struck and awful. So there are children sleeping in different places. I'm not sure in offices or hotels or where they are right now, but there's a lot of them. And they they literally don't have beds to put them in. So foster homes, RTCs, shelters, everybody is just like bursting. And I um, know Sarah, who is going to be, the main person opening this, Sarah Johnson, Um, she actually owns a daycare in Round Rock Mm -hmm. um, called Emerson Academy. And they are an all-inclusive daycare. So they will take children with Down syndrome, autism. They work with foster kids. In addition to working with, you know, kiddos in a different situation like Mm -hmm. mine. I liked that. I wanted my kid to see that. Mm -hmm. And um, we've always just been really cool. Well, her and her wife decided it's always been a passion of her because she was a foster parent. She did fostering for many years. Nice. Um, nice. You might want to talk to her. She's really cool. I think she, I will. Yes. She has a great daycare that's all about inclusion and they fostered. They did that for several years. And it just happened to be, I just ended up at their daycare with my kiddo. <laughs> kind of a small world thing. Anyway, so she had been talking about doing this for a while and decided to pull the trigger. So she has mm-hmm. bought a place in Colleen that will have 24 beds. And we're just doing remodeling. They're starting that. I've got to renew my license so I can help them. Can it. you
1: say the name of it? What's it going to be? House of True Colors. House of True Colors in Colleen. Tell me who they're going to be serving. Um, we're going to be serving children 5
0: to 18. Um, we will be focused on LBGTQ plus okay. community. I love that. But okay. we will also just be taking sibling groups, kids. It It really doesn't matter. Yeah. That will be our focus. And we would, of course, want to give them priority. They're underserved. They typically mm-hmm. don't have placement. It's a problem. Mm-hmm. And I'm just really excited to see something for that community. I'm clean, which, you know, there's some shelters there. I mean, I know it's getting bigger, mm-hmm. but like Waco doesn't have a lot of shelters, I don't believe still. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll be seeing your kids. Yep. Would yep, be my maybe. guess when we finally get to open and get our contracts. And we're a ways out, but we're starting to get ourselves out, out there. We've been approved by the city council. They did that last week. Um, Yeah, I mean we're getting it rolling.
1: That is it. So okay, so it's going to be a a home, and is it going to be a shelter Shelter. or is okay? I was wondering. So let's talk about the difference, if you don't mind, um, between a shelter, an RTC, and like a CWAP home. Okay. Oh, and let's let's throw group home in there as well. I think group homes are not allowed anymore. So start with federal lawsuit. Yes.
0: Yes, it has had some problems.
1: (laughs) So, and that's one of the, so let's, I'm going to start with group homes, actually, because our family has some experience with that. Mm -hmm. So whenever we started, um, whenever we moved to Waco, we thought we were done fostering. We had six kids, and in Texas, the capacity is six. Mm -hmm. So then one of our children, um, their first mom had another baby. And I know you know all about that. Um, she had another baby and wanted us to take placement of this baby. Well, again, the capacity is six in Texas, so the number of hoops we had to jump, you know, to bring this baby home was just astronomical Mm -hmm. because technically um, we were a group home. Nothing had changed, but technically we had to be licensed as a group home, and they were phasing out group homes basically. Yes. So it's, at that point, and that was 2017
0: mm-hmm.
1: into 2018 was whenever all of this was happening, they were phasing out group homes, but we needed to be licensed as a group home. So so what that looked like for our family was lots and lots of more outside, I guess, eyes on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It looked like more spontaneous visits. Um, mm-hmm. So it was workers showing up. And not just during the day, because you could expect that. People show up during the day just, hey, I'm here, just wanted to pop in, and this is your surprise visit to make sure that everything is as it should be. Yeah. But it was during the night, too, because whenever you're a group home, the, the rule is you have to have what they call, like staff. So staff awake 24 hours a day. So it looked like our family and friends or um, people that would just come alongside us and Volunteer, um, volunteer
0: mm-hmm.
1: being awake on our couch, yeah. Or like that was the expectation—just awake on our couch for a year. Now nothing needed to happen. They didn't have to have any interaction with the baby or us they or anything. Have have they their their just had to have their <laughs> eyes open. Yeah. yeah. So for, we have some experience in the whole group home stuff because we were a group home technically. Yeah. So and, and it, here's the interesting thing in foster care. I find it. I, I'm
0: glad that they at least let y'all do it. I mean, I'm really glad they let y'all do it because, you know, with the federal lawsuit, they've had to be really kind of like, they've had to clamp down on a lot of stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and okay, so I'm going to say two things. One, um, what's interesting is that now we're an eight kid family. Yeah. So, oh like, irony, right? Oh my God. But the problem is, or not the problem, the reason why we are able to be an eight kid family. Is the licensing issue. So at the time, whenever we had the six kids and we were taking in one more, Mm -hmm. the reason why we had to jump through all those hoops is because we were a licensed foster family. Mm -hmm. And that's why we had to do that. We're not licensed anymore. Now you're kinship. Now we're kinship because um, our new little one is also a biological, biologically related to our children. then we are technically biological family. So we don't have to jump through those hoops because we are not a licensed foster family. We're a kinship family. Mm -hmm. So kinship families can have, you know, more and more and more children. And that's a whole other story too and not something that I'm advocating should be the case all the time. Um, But I just think that it's interesting kind of The hoops you have to jump versus the hoops you don't have to jump in the exact same family in the exact same situation.
0: If you're a relative, considered a relative or whatever, I'm not going to lie, though. Sometimes you get away with everything. Sometimes it's not okay. Yeah. (laughs) But if you are licensed, it's strict. Yeah. But group homes, they did that for a reason. They became very problematic. Yep. Very abuse prone. Mm-hmm. Um, you had staff not being appropriate with children. It became a thing yep. to where the feds and, you know, people are suing the foster care system here in Texas mm-hmm. and group homes was one of the things they did away with. Yes. Um, because of all of the ongoing unfortunate.
1: Yes. You know, but again. with every, so with every, I'm going to say this, we had a guest on named Kimberly Millington and she was talking about family systems theories. And one of the mm-hmm. things that I like that she said about that was when you pull a string on one end. Somewhere somewhere in the system, another string gets pulled um, pulled with it because you're pulling on that one string. Mm-hmm. And so as far as the group home stuff, I think you're absolutely right, and you will never find me arguing with that. We had a problem in Texas, and coming down on the group home environment stuff was absolutely appropriate. But because that happens, sometimes, sometimes there are sweeping um, decisions made and sweeping legislation that then negatively affects – Other aspects of the foster care system, and what we're seeing now is that put a lot of pressure on shelters and RTCs and stuff like that that are taking on the children because they didn't just disappear the children that were in group home environments. The
0: minute I, you know, I couldn't help it, even if I didn't work there, read reading stuff. The minute I saw uh, anything about the federal lawsuit and the foster care system and everything, I was like, now it will happen, it's gonna happen beds are going to be gone because if anyone is honest about it some of those placements we knew they were sketchy man like (laughs) you didn't Mm. love necessarily leaving your kids there but you also literally knew I have nowhere else to go and I don't have a relative that wants to help me I don't have anyone Mm. even a neighbor anybody like we would look for anyone with any connection to the child like Mm. and they weren't awesome they weren't and some of the Placements they had issues with tended to be for children that were intellectually impaired. Yeah. And that's that's tough. Yeah. Because there aren't a lot of placements for intellectually impaired individuals, especially when they will be the types of individuals that transition into adult care. Yep. And yeah, I was like so I was sad for everyone involved. Like
1: whenever you saw that happening.
0: I just knew when they yeah. filed the lawsuit, I'm like, it's gonna fall. Like it's just going yeah. to.
1: <laughs> Things and have so been missed. And, okay, so we talked about group homes. We're mm-hmm. kind of staying on this capacity crisis that we've got going on. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the difference between RTCs and shelters?
0: Um, a shelter is typically used for um, emergency removals. So, you know, say kid one, two, and three got removed, two o'clock in the morning, meth bust, whatever happens. Um, the worker would call the child placement unit who would start calling shelters. Like, we've got to get these kiddos somewhere. we got to get them safe. We've got to get them to the doctor's figure out what's going on, make sure they're cool. Uh, Typically, that would be what a shelter's for. Shelters are also used for, like, say, a placement breakdown. Say Mm -hmm. an RTC decides they don't want my child anymore. They give their notice. We can't find a new RTC because there's no beds. (laughs) Then people would start calling shelters just to find a place for that kid to land, Mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. So we didn't end up in the office. There's Mm -hmm. that. Um, And an RTC is for children who have a lot of therapeutic needs. Okay, So you've got children who are they have psychological issues, trauma issues, which let's be honest, a lot of them, most of them do. Yeah, PTSD, bipolar disorder, depression, they just get a little bit, they get more supervision. It's a mm-hmm. lot more structured. There's a lot more therapeutic work happening there. Mm-hmm. And that typically relates to, I believe they still have levels of care. So a child would need to be specialized or intense. To be in so go place.
1: real quickly over the levels of care, okay? just in case somebody doesn't know. Gotcha. Um, levels of care would be basic, which is just your
0: average run-of-the-mill kiddo. You know, mm-hmm.
1: they're not perfect, but
0: they're, they haven't displayed um, intensive behavior issues yet. Then you get moderate. Okay, moderate is definitely a kiddo where you can tell it hasn't been perfect, <laughs> and they need some extra help, and they might need some therapy, play therapy. You know, just kind of watch them, see how it goes can be aggressive with other kids, sometimes problems in school, but they're little, You can work with it. Uh, Specialized is we've gone beyond moderate. We're more violent. We are harder to manage around other kids sometimes. Lots of trauma, um, lots of things they're trying to work out, Mm -hmm. processing issues. Sometimes they have IQs that are in the Mm -hmm. lower range, and so it's harder to process, and they get aggressive, or they act Mm -hmm. out because they just don't know how to process it all, and they Mm -hmm. just need more staff. And it's not as Mm home-like. I don't want to say hospital because it's not like that, but you have staff 24 hours a day. Yeah. And you need to with some of those kids because they need that kind of supervision. Mm -hmm. To to make sure they don't harm others or themselves because sometimes they are self-harming. Yeah. And you need to make sure that they're not hurting themselves. Yep. Um, Intense is... Intense. Intense. Intense goes beyond specialized where you're just like... The kid might kick the window out in your car mm-hmm. <laughs> and you just kind of hope you get there. They need a lot of help. They have a lot of psychiatric issues, typically quite a few diagnoses. They've broken a lot of placements. A lot of times they just have trauma histories that would make you cry just reading the piece of paper. And mm-hmm. they need help. Yeah. And they need so much help. And being intense pays more, because it's let's all be honest. It's it's about payment. <laughs> and they get more the service. levels
1: of care, yeah, yeah, because they get more services. They're tied,
0: yeah, they're tied to payment and services. So this kid is going to get any service we can throw at them to yeah. try to help them and to try to stabilize them. Because the ultimate goal is to always get them into some kind of family environment. Mm-hmm. You don't want them there forever. You don't no. want them institutionalized. So you're trying to do what you can do, yeah. and whatever that takes, let's get this kid at least to a moderate, to a specialized that some specialized can be managed in foster homes, mm-hmm. and that's great. You, I prefer everyone prefers homes.
1: Yes, period. of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. I know we've got a family um in the area that does um therapeutic foster care. Yes. And they that's that's what they do is they take in um children who's at who are at higher levels and they only take one placement at a time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they are their goal is to get them to a place where they can level down or um, be placed in a home at their level, but their their behaviors and everything have leveled out and are manageable in a home environment. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a foster home, uh, I, I would say almost like an RTC, but in a home,
0: Yeah, one great. kid at a time. When you can find that, that's amazing. It's so rare, and they are probably always... Always with a child, oh, because absolutely they probably have kids waiting when that other yeah. kid leaves. Like it's they, probably this
1: family is just amazing, amazing, mm-hmm. amazing, amazing. Yeah, they sound so awesome. um, okay, so thanks for explaining that. Tell me um, about the home and when what's alls timeline and all of
0: that. Um, I'm getting my license renewed. They have li- um, gotten bids from contractors. We've done they've done the work with the city council, the neighborhood, all the notifications, all those things. Um, that's been completed. So they're just waiting right now to start construction. The building wasn't, you know, it has to be the code. There's certain codes and everybody's going to have their code. So they have people going in. Um, they're going to hopefully start construction. I think this month I haven't got an update, but the building's there. They just need to update things yeah. and get some stuff in place.
1: So in, because it's going to be a shelter. So in a CWAP environment, so we've got, um, a nonprofit coming to the area called the idea 117 house and, I'm gonna have an episode where I talk about that as well. Cool. And it's a CWAP home. So it's a little bit different than a shelter in that in CWAP care, um, it's not it's not staffed, so the workers um, would have to be. Whoever's in charge of that kiddo would have to be supervising that kiddo, which is different at a shelter where mm-hmm. it's more of a placement.
0: We will have staff. We will have case managers. We will be getting things done for them. Yeah. So, no, no workers would be there. I mean, of course, coming to visit or whatever, but nobody has to stay there. It's nothing like that. No, we will be a full service like shelter.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I know. Well, I'm pretty excited. I'm excited for you. I feel like this is going to be really big, and I know that you. This is something that is near and dear to your heart. So, yes. I'm really excited for you. you too, thank you. And before we wrap up, okay, I want to know. I want to know. All right, girl. What was your F bomb moment? When did you know? Oh man, I'm never going to be the same again because of foster care.
0: Well, um, oh, my story isn't like fun like everybody else's. I went to visit a child for another worker. Who um, was out of San Antonio, showed up to this house unannounced to go check in on these kids. And I found the children inside of the beds. Oh, no. So, foster how, mom. How many children? Two. One of them was two, the other one was four. Um, oh, my God. And she didn't want to let me in. She tried to ignore me. She wouldn't answer the door. I knew she was home. So, I had to call the cops. And I was like, there's two kids in there that are the state of, are, have the state of Texas has custody of. And I need to see those kids. So they basically, like, she opened the door, and um, the 4-year-old had gotten out, but the 2-year-old was still tied up. And the 4-year-old had said they'd been that way. And he was soiled, and um, they hadn't eaten, and... Anyway, so I um obviously took the kids <laughs> from her, called her agency, and then, oh of course, the God. police did reports, because they were going to press charges against her, and... Um, I was trying to find a place for these babies to go. They were filthy. Um, I'm trying to get a hold of this worker in San Antonio who won't answer me. Don't get me started. Um, I'm like, kind of like, where do you want me to what do you want me to do? I'm not the primary, but obviously I'm not leaving them here either. So I found them a place to go and I put them there, checked on them and finally got with the worker and she's like, Oh, sorry, I didn't answer your call. I was busy. It's <sighs> like, Yeah, um, it's been a week, but cool, whatever. I'm like, they're safe. I've already talked to your program director and supervisor. We're good. And she was like, you, ha- you didn't have to do that. I was like, actually, I did. They were in filth. You hadn't been there, according to your documentation, in six months. And they were tied to a bed. I think I did need to talk to somebody. I was mad. And my supervisor was mad. My program director was mad. There was no reason for that. And
1: um, that's when I knew I'd never be the same. People need to be watched. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and this, that's a good. Okay, first off, I'm horrified. Too. I'm horrified, and I wish, maybe it's good that y'all can't see my face because I have just been slack-jawed this whole time. Just, that it, is horrific It was pretty bad, and though. grotesque. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so what I'm getting at, this is a good example of why foster care is not easy to get into. So, and all that to say, is it impossible? Absolutely not. But the process, though not difficult in that, like, you could do it. You absolutely could do it. But it is tedious, and there are checks and balances all along the way. And that is because there are situations like this, and we want to make sure that never, never, never happens.
0: I am always suspicious of people who don't want to let me in or can you come back later, this doesn't work for me. They, They avoid me. I'm like, what's going on? That you yep. have to avoid me. If nothing's going on, I don't care if you got toys on your floor, I don't care if your dishes aren't clean. As long as the kids are happy and safe, I don't care. Yep. So none of that like worked for me. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not
1: that personality and you know it. So what are you doing? Yeah. And that that sometimes you find that. Oh my gosh, that's horrific. And I can absolutely see how you were like and that's what this is what we hear a lot is once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. There's no way I was going back.
0: Mm-mm. No, I mean, you don't go back from
1: that. I was you like don't. 23, 24. I've never seen anything like that in my life. And now you're a lifer. No, I'm a
0: lifer. I will never get away from this. I swear to God, my husband says that all the time. You just keep going back. I was like, I can't.
1: It's like weird. It's well, Or it's not. Or it's not. Because here's <laughs> the thing. The, ne- the, the, the sad fact is the need for good people involved in some aspect of foster care, because you're not even a caseworker right now. Not a caseworker, you're not a a foster home, Mm -mm. but you have found your way to work with foster care. And that's something that we say all the time, that I say all the time, is it's not an all-or-nothing deal. You don't have to be a foster parent, you don't have to be a caseworker to be involved in foster care. Sometimes it's supporting a family, sometimes it's you doing what you're doing and it's administrative stuff. Um, to get this home off the ground to help a slew of kids that are in foster care. There are so many things for people to do. Yeah, I just recently talked um, with a local barber shop who is going to be offering um, free cuts for kids in care and in their families. There are things like that. There are so many ways for people to be involved in foster care. You can
0: help. You don't have to. I mean, some I've heard people, I can't handle it. It's too emotional. Then why don't you get some school supplies together, get a whole bunch of backpacks, load them up, Take them to an agency and say,
1: I want to give these to your kids. Yep. You just helped someone in foster care and you didn't see anything that you didn't want to see. Yep, that's right. And I think the reason why is people negate that and go, that's not enough. And here's the thing that that's true. It's, it's not enough. Mm-mm.
0: Well,
1: and, and, and that's okay um, because doing something is the right thing. And if you're waiting until what you have to offer is enough for kids in care, you're never going to do anything. Even me being a foster parent, we've got eight kiddos. Is that enough? Yes, girl, you're good. <laughs> but does, it's as far as the system of foster care, is that, no, it's not impacting the whole system. But we did what was right for our family, and that was the right thing for us to do. So whatever it is that's your right thing to do, do that thing. And that is your version of what is enough. Exactly. And if we are all doing our version of what is enough, then maybe it will eventually be enough.
0: And but right it doesn't now, have to be all or nothing. Right now, and I say this to any worker at DFPS who's having to deal with all this, uh, I, you know, you're a rock star. <laughs> you That's are a right. rock star. A lot of people are keeping with it. They're not walking away, and they're trying to help these kids. And they deserve all the credit in the world for that because some of them are working 80, 90 hours a week. Yeah. It's intense, and they're still doing it. That's right. And so, you know, if they're... If you get a worker that's short with you, whatever, understand they are literally being worked constantly at this
1: point. And, and it's they're an, doing an emotional load, too.
0: It is. It's sad when you watch a kid yeah. in a hotel. I've done it. Yeah, it makes you sad. It's yeah. like he's sitting in a hotel, and it's like because nobody wants to take him, and, like, he's aware of it. Yep. Yeah.
1: And I know <laughs> we've got in all over Texas, there are kids that are in CWAP care, which is child without placement because we don't have enough beds And I can't imagine, and most of them are teens, I can't imagine being a teenager, staying at an office or a hotel, because you know, I mean, kids are so smart, you know, it's because nobody will take you in. And so whatever we can do to infuse dignity into that situation, Mm -hmm. we're going to do. So literally, guys, buying a gift card and donating it to um, your CPS office or a local nonprofit that is so good, and that is that can be your version of Enough. Absolutely. Well, Sabrina, thank you so much for coming on. I was so happy to talk to you and learn a little bit more.
0: I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me and letting me plug my new little venture that we're going on. I'm sure we'll be working together on that Yeah, some way. So.
1: We're in your area. We we'll need so. your help. Awesome. Sounds All good, right. girl. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Mandy and the F-Bomb is produced by Rogue Media. Make sure to like and follow us on social media, and you can find our show anywhere you get podcasts or at rogemedianetwork.com.
0: This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.